You know, I looked through the prayer book to see if there's any kind of liturgical happy dance that exists, and there isn't, so maybe we'll have to work on that. But if, if there were, I would be doing it right now. So it's such a pleasure to be here. And I really appreciate all the generous welcome and warmth that you've given to us even before we arrived, and also your patience, because I know it's been a long three months. And I know in my own preparation, I've probably wrote this sermon about a dozen times in my head, especially the start. And I'm a little surprised where I ended up, because I wouldn't have thought my first sermon with you would have been about me being gay. I mean, it's not that much, I've been out forever, and it's not that much a part of who I define myself as, and it's definitely not that much part of my ministry. And I'm a strong believer that where you start is somehow definitional in nature, so it's a bit of a surprise. But three things happen. First, we have the Old Testament reading in Samuel with Jonathan and David and their special bond. The soul of Jonathan was bound to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And it reminded me of my own youth in small-town southern Indiana, when I knew I was different in some incoherent way, not yet defined, but I felt something familiar in the Jonathan David story. The same way I would later feel when I read the Iliad with Achilles and Hector, or studied Alexander the Great and his friendship with Hephaestion. Now this may say something about the strange child that I was. We'll get into that, I'm sure. But Jonathan and David was a rare moment when I saw something in myself in the Bible. And the second thing that led me to preach about being gay on this day is that today is Sunday, June 24th, and it is what is traditionally celebrated across the country and around the world. It's the Day of Gay Pride. And while the whole month of June is now recognized as celebration, and Conway kicks it off at the beginning, the reason the 24th or this date is celebrated is because it's the day that is closest to the date when a bunch of drag queens and gay men in a, in a bar called Stonewall in New York in 1969 decided that they had had enough. And they fought back against police oppression and started the gay rights movement. And then the third reason, and really closer to home, that makes me want to preach my first sermon with you about being gay is because I kept getting this question as I met members of your vestry, as I met members of the staff, and even members of the congregation. And the question was always couched very respectfully and, and a little timidly. But the question was, why aren't you and Mark married? And I promise I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to take a moment and reflect. As an out gay man of 50-some years old, I never, ever would have thought that question would be about something that I'm not about. For decades, even centuries within the church, the question would have been, why are you that way? Not why aren't you married, but why are you gay? And I think that question, the fact you asked that question, says something very special about St. Peter's. And I have a one-word answer to why we aren't married. That word is love. Love. And it's by no means the love that Mark and I share. I mean, we just spent the last six weeks packing and moving and unpacking a very complicated household. And the fact that each of us emerged relatively unscathed is, I think, a testament to the love we share. If you've moved, you know what I'm talking about. No, the love is not about us. It's about you, about this community. And let me tell you a story. 
In 2016, shortly after a certain presidential election that shocked many of us, I reached out to Bishop Benfield to ask if, in light of all the hatred seemingly afoot, Mark and I should get married in a simple ceremony at the Texas Justice of the Peace. The bishop replied that I could do what I wanted and fully understood and supported, but that a decision like that would have made it much more difficult for him to find a place for us in Arkansas. In December of 2016, there was no way he could have foreseen a Conway, a St. Peter's, happening for us. And I understood what the bishop was saying. And although a bunch of fellow seminarians decided to move forward with their plans, not knowing what the political environment would bring, Mark and I decided that it was preferable to wait for a union in the midst of a loving, warm community. And we would forego the harsh fluorescent lights of a basement justice of the peace surrounded by strangers. We were waiting for a place of love. So we waited for that loving environment. We waited for St. Peter's. And as I watched you, I saw that love is very much at the center of this place. I've heard it repeated and I've read it in, in what you publish. And in fact, I imagine if we did a kind of word cloud of St. Peter's where how often something is said or thought is bigger and more central in the cloud, right at the center in huge letters would be love. You are, I think, that loving community we waited for. Which makes the question you've been asking, why aren't you married? Why aren't you a manifestation of the sacrament of love? It makes it make sense. A place so defined by love would ask just that question. But it's not been easy. There have been times of doubt, lots of times of doubt these past 18 months. Times when we've seen that it's okay that a baker can deny our humanity and refuse to bake a cake. Times when we feared this narrow sliver of history that we're in, when why aren't you married could be the question. That could turn into you can't be married. Times when that could again be our story. And I realized that these times of doubt aren't just ours. Many of us are swimming in, t in a time of doubt. Just this past week, we watched innocent immigrant children separated, caged like animals, crying out for their distant parents. We heard scripture, Romans 13, used incorrectly to justify inhumane acts against others. Watching the news now can become an individual act of futility as we search for what we can do to change what, for many of us, may appear impossible. Now today's gospel shows us a turbulent world, tossed in futility and fear. As so often in Mark, the disciples are us today, frightened and scared in a sea-torn boat. It is a time of chaos. And the disciples are paralyzed by the torment of the sea, and meanwhile, Jesus rests calmly on his pillow on the boat. The frightened disciples cry out for their very lives, Don't you see we are perishing? And I imagine him looking at them a little, little groggy still from his nap and saying, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? He quiets the storm and then instead of relaxing or admiring, they question him. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In our own time of doubt, this time of turbulence, I think our answer is to not be like the disciples, to fret and worry, who is this who will change things? But to really know that God, that Christ, 
is with us. In fact, today's readings give us two ways to respond to the presence and acts of God. We can be like the disciples and doubt and then question when God acts. Or we can respond as the psalmist tells us in Psalm 107. God stilled the storm to a whisper and quieted the waves. Let them give thanks. Let them exalt him in the congregation. So we can cower in fear or give thanks and exaltation. The prayer of St. Chrysostom that we've been reciting in evening prayer this month reminds us that whenever two or three of us are gathered in Christ's name, that God is here. We have to know that God is here, with us, with St. Peter's. God is calming the storm. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have work to do. We have to right wrongs. We have to call out and address injustice, to truly love our neighbor, but have faith that God is at work calming the storm. And so what we do, we give thanks and exaltation. I look out to you now and know that this place of love, where love is the center, is a refuge to protect me and you, no matter how much the storm threatens to drown us. St. Peter's is special. And this place of love is the boat that can keep us all afloat in the storm. Thank you for letting Mark and me be a part of this place of love and joining you on this journey. And now, as the psalm tells us, let us all give God thanks and exalt him in our congregation. Amen.